Welcome to Childcare CRM, the podcast. You're familiar with Childcare CRM, the company, and hopefully you love using Childcare CRM, the product. I'm your host, Sierra Rossing, and I serve as the content marketing specialist here at Childcare CRM. Today, I'm joined by Tony Diagostino, the founder and CEO of Inspire Care 360. Tony has spent over 10 years as an early learning and childcare owner of up to six childcare centers in Western New York. He has an extensive experience in early childhood as an owner and operator, and also led the development of over 6,900 hours of early learning curriculum known as the nine key development areas. Today, we're gonna to be focusing on how to strengthen and build your childcare business. And particularly, we're going to be talking about how to start with a strong foundation for your team how to keep your staff happy with streamlined processes, benefits, salaries. And we're going to discuss key steps to building a sustainable business for the long term. And finally, we're going to address what Tony sees for the future of childcare, which as we know, is kind of a tough question to answer amidst the past year and the COVID-19 pandemic. So stay tuned. Uh, for our listeners who might not be familiar, can you share a bit about your professional background in childcare as well as your role at Inspire Care 360? Well, I really appreciate it. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So I've been in childcare for a little over 10 years. I started uh, with the acquisition of five schools and then went quickly up in the same year to six schools all throughout the Western New York area, a very diverse group of schools that were private pay as well as those were funded partially by social services. Uh, My background prior to that was absolutely nothing. And what I mean by that was uh, even when I was approached by someone to look to acquire these schools, uh, when I first met with them, they had said, uh, I have something very interesting that you'll really like. And I said, well, why would I? What is it? And they go, well, I'll meet you for breakfast. And so I met him for breakfast and he goes, I can't tell you what it is, but you have to sign an NDA. And the NDA was blank as to the industry. I said, you have to please sign it. And he signed it for the industry, pushed across the table and said, childcare. I go, oh, no. I'm not sure that that's what I want to do at all. I, you know, I go, I have to get out of bed and I have to really enjoy it. Oh, you could do, you could do real well there. And I said, well, I really need to pop out of bed in the morning and be very excited. I, at that point I didn't take the bait, but I did, um, a few weeks later go and look at some of these, uh, places and they were very dismal. They were barely babysitting and long story short is I learned that there was a tremendous amount of opportunity to make them learning centers. My background is been now 30 years of adult learning principles, and I've worked for companies such as Pearson Education and Ernst & Young and Xerox Corporation and a couple others, anywhere from working with artificial intelligence to different types of change management, as well as different development of courseware. And so I really understand the area of development, but mainly for adults, when I thought that we can apply it to kids, that really got me excited. So that's sort of how I got into the childcare business. And so uh, since then, I've really been focusing on all the different kind of things we could do, especially from an educational side. Yeah, so that's really interesting. So you mentioned there was kind of maybe a heavy lift from where those centers started at to, I'm assuming, where they're at now. Yeah, um, absolutely. Is that kind of 
what inspired you to found Inspire Care 360? So yeah, so Inspire Care 360. For those of you out there, are like what the heck is Inspire Care 360? Um, what I had done is when I took over these schools, they were very low in margin, and there was a lot of things that were not happening with them. the The teachers were not very happy. There was no culture at all, and there was every single school was a different kind of program running. So when I got involved with it. I by far was not able to fix things overnight. Matter of fact, I made a ton of mistakes at first, you know, things I could kick myself now on, but if I didn't learn from them, then they were really mistakes. So I learned from them and I learned different ways that I was able to move up margins significantly. Where we first took, we, I took over the businesses about five to 7% margin. We are now over 25 to 30% margin on our schools, which sort of lead in the industry. I'm a big believer that it's not about the wait list. It's about how you have a great culture and the margins you get from that. So uh, to answer your question about why Inspire Care 360 is after I developed this in the schools, I really looked and said, well, it's such a such a manual struggle to try to get to where we were. I had to educate so many different providers. I had to develop so many systems. And there were some people out there who had great programs, but others who weren't even familiar with the childcare industry or the ECE world, which wasn't even called at that time. And I looked around and decided that, you know what, there really needs to be a provider, especially for independently owned and operated schools independent only operated schools are about 95 percent of the marketplace for group care facilities you know and so with that they oftentimes don't have a backstop unlike a franchise which we do work with franchises unlike you know large not-for-profits and we do work with them too as well as corporate entities which we also do work with the independently owned and operated schools really don't have anybody to support them and they're sort of stuck you know, they have to go figure them all out for themselves. So what if they had a place to go to sort of like what a franchisee has to a franchisor? We are that for the independent market and so much more. And that's why we support some of those other places, too. Mm -hmm. oh. And so you all have kind of a full service um, platform or organization with coaches and educational materials. Is that right? Yeah. So what we did is we took an approach of looking at sort of a holistic approach of how can you support the back office and the proposition of the what I call the three big bucket areas within a school. One is that they have staff and labor. Uh, that area is huge. I truly believe the secret sauce to the success of any school is with its staff, that the staff you recruit, hire, retain, promote, that's, that is all where your success is if you can both bring that culture together. So we have a division called Engage. And in that division of Engage, we have a lot of things about how do you recruit, how do you onboard, quickly get people onboarded, how do you help them develop, how do you help them all get onto the same path together, whether they've been there for 16 years or six months. We also have developed healthcare benefits, affordable and flexible that are qualified programs to meet the Affordable Care Act that can be used to recruit and retain. And that's all within that engage. And then we also have areas of HR expertise. So we have HR experts as well, a complete portal for our members. And that's just under one division. Under our other division, we have about trying to grow your school. 
And that really is how do you grow your reputation? How do you grow your brand? And how do you have people want to seek you out? So we developed a division called Grow. And in that division, it really is focused on helping people understand what their brand means to their staff, to their families, to their community, how they get it out there, whether they get it out there digitally or the way that they really want to get it is where their families talk about them in a very positive light as well as their staff. So how do you make that happen? And then how do you protect and develop your brand? Because your brand is so important and it can be something that you can protect, you can grow, you can nurture over years, but overnight it could be destroyed and not have anything even to do with the owner operator doing it. Something happened to your business. So being able to protect that, that was really important. So that's under our grow division. And the last division is really about looking at the efficiency of your operations. Like I talked about when I first came in, we only had five to 7% margin and it was crazy. That's barely giving yourself a paycheck in, in ownership. And it's hard to give raises and hard to do things for your staff. So it's very difficult to progress and build a good culture. So how do you start to optimize the business? And that's where we've developed and we have coaches, we have financial experts, we have a complete comprehensive group purchasing organization from anywhere from food, supplies, office supplies, all to services, to software, to capital goods, as well as many other elements that we offer under our GPO, which is all part of our membership. That's under our optimized division. So engage, grow, and optimize. I think we sort of hit all three key areas in the back office side, but it's a lot. Yeah, no kidding. You you really do it all, it sounds like. <laughs> we try our best. Yeah. Well, circling back to the engaged division and specifically, you know, hiring and staffing, do you have a few best practices for childcare providers who are looking to attract and hire new candidates at their center? Absolutely. Um, it's tough right now. I have my own school still, in addition to Inspire Care 360. And I'm not going to say that I've figured it all out myself or even some of our members who use our services have completely figured it out. But I think we are definitely advanced in what we try to do. You know, one of the areas that I think people often do is they try to throw money at, they try to throw as much they can financially towards it to try to make things happen. You know, paying, offering bonuses and things of that nature. And there can be elements for that that make sense. But realistically, it's one of those things that you have to start with making your work environment the most attractive work environment possible. That starts with developing a culture. A culture cannot be bought. And that's probably the most difficult thing. Similar like with your brand, your brand can't be bought. Your culture can't be bought. It has to be earned. And the way you have to earn a culture is a diversity of multiple different tenants. One of the key areas is how do you create an environment where people really feel like they belong? So similar to a fraternity or a club, unfortunately a gang or anything of that nature, people want to belong someplace. They want, when they come to someplace, they really want to have a sense of belonging. And there's a lot of tenants of 
what it takes to be able to have that feeling of belonging. And that is having security, having recognition, having the ability to feel like you're part of the solution and you're not just an individual there who is, you know, a assistant teacher in a toddler room because they need someone for ratio. So there's a lot that goes into developing that. And that also means, you know, how do you create a reward system? How do you have the right benefits to attract them and retain them? What is the right level of acknowledgement and recognition that people should get at the different levels in the organization? And then how do you lead people? How do you truly lead people? So there is definitely a mix. If you can build your culture first while you're doing your best to attract people, that is probably the key number one issue of recruiting people as well as retaining so they don't leave out the back door. You know, I would say second to that, though, is also trying to be creative, too. So things that you could do today that you're like, well, I can't exactly build a culture overnight, but what could I do today? When you think about how you recruit and what you recruit, what are you recruiting to? Are you recruiting to a job or are you recruiting to what your values are? Quite oftentimes we recruit for a job. If you look on Indeed or you go on to any other place that they would be posting for jobs, uh, Craigslist or you know Monster.com or wherever, um, you'll notice a lot of ads look the same. You know, I have a school age teacher. They need this amount of experience. They have to have this. They need to have these licensing credentials. Blah 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 blah. What there is differentiating about that? Very little, if none, and there's nothing there that really talks about what they really want out of an individual. I would rather have a person who's joining me, not so much for their experience, but more for how they fit with, again, our culture. So where does your culture start? It starts with your values. So if you have strong values, you look at that's how we're going to recruit. We're an organization that's a learning organization. We're an organization that's authentic. We're an organization that we believe in trusting one another. We're an organization that really believe in nurturing one another. We're an organization that truly believe that we want to have fun in everything we do. And we are an organization that likes to work hard. Those are values. And with those values, you can say out there, this is the kind of person we're looking for. And with that, if you meet those values, we're going to do the best possible to bring you in and build you and develop you up. So no longer are you recruiting just a teacher. You are now recruiting individuals in your organization that you can develop. I'd much rather take a stake with someone of that nature who meets those values than someone who has all kinds of educational background but creates a toxic environment in their trail. So I think between the values and then developing in the culture, some of the best things I could recommend and the values thing you can do pretty quick is hire, recruit, promote all those elements based on values. Yeah, I love that's a great point. I love that. And it actually reminds me of recently I had a conversation with Andrea Dickerson of mm -hmm. I own a daycare and she mentioned that the director she recently brought onto her team had no experience in early education or childhood development, but she had 20 years tenure at her past employer. So she knew that she was going to be loyal to her company. She knew she was someone that she could train and invest in and grow with the organization. So I think that's fundamental is hiring someone with the potential rather than maybe the experience you're searching for. And you know what? It's tough today because you're like, I just need a warm body just to get ratio filled today. The, the challenge is, is still, why are people coming to you? 
And also, if you're recruiting with the title teacher, there's a lot of people out there who are not teachers. There's a lot of people, like you just said, from what Angie had said, you know, they're not title director. But if you recruit, you know, I want a youth educator or I'm looking for a kangaroo wrangler, you know, for a toddler room, you know, I'm looking for someone who is willing to take on a very interesting but super rewarding task, you know, and you start explaining really what that kind of role is and why it's rewarding, you're going to definitely open up your audience as to who might be interested as, as to being very narrow about, I need an assistant teacher, I need a teacher. Then a person's automatically thinking, like, I don't know if I have that credential, I have to move on and apply for a job at Arby's. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And are there any places you feel are best for posting jobs for childcare? It's a good question. You know, we're all sort of, again, we're all sort of working on that. And, you know, there's the normal places like we talked about with the job boards out there. Um, you know, depending on who you want to go after, too, you know, there's some, you know, cultures that I'm a big believer in having diversity in age, too. So not just diversity and, you know, backgrounds. Um, I believe that, you know, there's opportunity for those who are oftentimes at home, stay at home parents who really have a, a decent chunk of their day available to them. You know, once we get out of this lockdown thing, which might be coming back for a little bit, but they have a decent chunk of their day available that they, they would love to take up some of their time with in getting to them. You know, a lot of times, you know, you never think about, but there's an app out there like Nextdoor, which really allows you to sort of reach out to your direct community and that community that's near your school, you know, it is awesome to be able to reach out and talk about what you're seeking. Again, not about your company seeking a specific role for that infant teacher, but more or less is we'd love if someone had this amount of time in the day and they love holding babies and they like to do this and they like to do this and they're willing to learn and they're willing to do this. Those type of things are where you can see a lot of things moving forward. You can reach to different demographics than those who might traditionally go to a job board. Also, quite often, you really want to look at, you know, your staff, you know, a lot of things have been going on or people right now is it's been a bit of an auction for trying to find talent. So people are even, you know, signing up for uh, offering bonuses, sign on bonuses. Um, I believe, you know, at times that can sort of work, but you're setting a really dangerous precedent. One is you're saying for all those people who've been with you for so long, they're not getting that bonus. And you're offering now a person who's unexperienced to get a bonus just to come with you because you're desperate to get someone in that space. We've sort of flipped that on the head a little bit. And what we're doing is we've really tremendously upped our staff referral bonus. So what that means where our staff referral bonus used to be like 125 bucks if you referred in a full-time person and 75 bucks if you referred in a part-time person. We have that if you have someone who you've brought in for a full time and, you know, respectively a part time person, you can earn upwards of $400 for that individual. That'll be paid out over time as well as that individual success in the organization. Then if they're with us for three, six months a year, that's how you get paid out on it, too. But I'd much rather give that bonus to my team who's been there and been working hard so they can go through their friend groups, go through Facebook, Instagram, what have you, and really find other individuals that they want to work with. Again, getting to that belonging piece. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was just going to ask about referral bonuses, and I think that's a great idea. Um, and I like that you mentioned paying it out over time, kind of based on performance as well, so that you know you're getting high quality candidates. Yeah. Well, and you're also setting up the stage that what you don't want is your staff just going out and, you know, just sending out to every single person they know, just because they're like, you know, I want to get, you know, as much money as possible. We still have to, you know, interview them and make sure they're obviously a good fit and for us, cultural and values. But with that said, if they are bringing them in to that, we want to reward them as the company is also being rewarded too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've spoken a little bit about core values, and would you say that's the first step in building a positive company culture? Yeah, I really do believe that it is. You know, in your core values is interesting because oftentimes as owner operators, we oftentimes sit back and think, well, what are my values going to be? And you start looking up values on the internet and look at Fortune 500 companies. You look at all these people as to what their values are. That has nothing to do with what your values should be. Your values that you need to look at need to be between not only yourself, but need to be your staff's values. It needs to be your family's values. And it needs to be your administrative team's values. So how to do that is there's several different ways. But one thing that I've done that I think has been very successful is I would tend to hold a annual meeting where I would sit down with my staff um, and my, or I'd have my director sit down with my staff and through, uh, staff meetings, they would do an exercise to have people really say, what are the values that speak to them? So every individual gets a chance to say what, it, what values speak to them for what our organization is. Then we consolidate those all on little yellow stickies or something like that. And we look at what are the commonalities, where are everybody common? And then we identify those common areas and then we start talking about them and talking about them until we narrow them down till we get five to six different values. Then we do the same thing with our directors. We do the exact same exercise where we have the, the directors go through and identify what their values are. And then we do the same thing through a survey with our families and give them a list of values and say, circle your top five values here on a survey. Then when we have those three groups together, then we look at what is the commonality along with my own values. And that really builds where we found now the values that are similar between our staff and our administrative team, our families and the ownership. So now we all can promote those and say, hey, we all develop these together. We're all on this journey together. So it's not just my values, but that seems like it's a big exercise. It really does not take a tremendous amount of effort to do, but the results and the value of using it to recruit when you put them in your job ads, when you're interviewing to talk about those values, as you hire them and onboard them and you base your performance on those, as well as your promotion on meeting those, it really gives you a fantastic roadmap for recruiting and building. And in your opinion, are there any, we've talked a little bit about benefits here, a little bit about bonuses, referral bonuses. Are there any benefits in childcare that you've seen lead to greater retention rates? Oh, um, you know, absolutely. Like one of the areas that I think we all, you know, take advantage of in childcare, obviously, is offering childcare services. Um, offering childcare is a big attraction. Um, and there are individuals who are out there who, who know that. They're like, you know what, I can't really afford childcare, but I do need it. And I would want to be working too. 
So I, if I can have a place that I can come and I can also have childcare as a benefit, that's fantastic and it helps us for a family. Beyond childcare, you need to start looking at today, and I think more than ever, is two different ones. One is healthcare. Healthcare, by far, in a way, is something that has been elusive to us in this industry. The healthcare challenge has been that it is so expensive that you have not only super high premiums for individuals and families, but along with that comes super high deductibles. So you can have a program for an individual that's just under $400, which is still very expensive a month, and they have a $6,000 deductible. They don't get, you know, paid dollar one back until they hit $6,000. And most people are between the ages of the low 20s to upper 30s as teachers. And for administrators are between their, you know, mid 30s to their upper 40s to 50s. So quite often, they don't have those kind of health issues. So they don't never hit their deductible. So what we did is we actually went out and this is not a complete pitch for it, but we did develop a program called Healthy Advantage. And Healthy Advantage is really a very affordable and flexible program that really puts the opportunity in the hands of the, the owner of the program, the teacher, the administrator, and even the owners if they want. And they choose what they want but they can have $15 office visits, $15 urgent or $50 urgent care visits, all their you know medications and stuff. And the premiums are very low and start from dollar one. So there's no high deductible and they may pay upwards of a paycheck, you know, from anywhere as low as $11.50 to $30 a paycheck for that, which is really inexpensive. And they're qualified plans, as I mentioned before. So healthcare is a significant element that you really have to think about. And you think about all of our issues over the past year and a half, it's all been about healthcare, right? It's all been about COVID. So that is top of mind and people really feel they need it, especially after the age of 26 when they leave their parents. The, the other area really is about flexibility and the benefit side of offering dynamic type of PTO programs. Um, today, it is a given actually coming out of a environment of lockdown where we were locked down and some, you know, you know, uh, schools had to close altogether and some were doing virtual schooling, even where the teachers were working from home in our school. We, you know, we have to be at the school. There's no options for our teachers to be working out of home at this point in time. Maybe if we do some virtual classrooms, if we decide to go that path, but I don't think that's where we personally want to go. But giving flexibility and schedule and finding ways to offer greater flexibility to your staff members is critical. It is uh, an expectation that is highly desired. The generation between millennial and Gen Z has a innate desire to really have flexibility in their schedule. And they do not sort of follow the baby boomer, the Gen X, where we worked, you know, our 40 hours and we were used to it. Um, you know, and conform to that, where they're just really pushing back on and saying, I need more flexibility. If they don't get it, you know, they'll up and leave the job. So your ability to look at the dynamics of flexibility and how you can offer flexibility. And I'm not suggesting that you just create the wild west out of there. People come and go as they please, because we're in the childcare business. You got to stay in ratio. So I think flexibility, I think healthcare benefits, if you can nail those down in addition to what your values are, I think you're on a really good path for how you start to recruit and develop your engagement. Yeah. 
And in terms of also keeping staff happy, um, something that we really prioritize at Childcare CRM, of course, is organizing and streamlining daily administrative and enrollment processes. But in more general terms, are there any, you know, have you seen any links between organizing daily processes and keeping staff happy? And if so, you know, what are kind of some key areas where providers can start or directors and owners can start focusing on um, organizing those systems? So one of the areas, I like to relate it to the neighborhood, little Italian restaurant, the neighborhood, neighborhood uh, hardware store. There are not many left. Why? Because the big boxes have come in and have absolutely dominated them. You've had, you don't have the little hardware store because you have Home Depot and Lowe's and everybody would rather flock to them. Flock to them. Why? Because they have everything you ever needed. They get it there. If they don't, they'll deliver it to your house. People no longer have the little Italian restaurants because they go to Olive Garden. And even though the food, in my opinion, is less than stellar compared to being of Italian heritage, but it is a strong business model from Darden. Um, they figured out what people want. And what they did is they've created great efficiency and effectiveness. So similar to using childcare CRM, similar to using a childcare management software, similar to using Inspire Care 360 and like our onboarding programs that really simplify the process to onboard and then get your training and development all in place and to measure all of that. If you are not sophisticating in your business, you are going to get crushed and left behind. Those we've seen so many of the mom, pa, childcare businesses go out of business because they will not implement the tools, the you know the kind of solutions out there, similar to a childcare CRM is putting into place to make it much more efficient and effective to leverage their day similar to how inspire care 360 is really honed in on training and development because we believe that's also a major part of developing competency you know our our staff are like the you know the shoemaker kids and that is the the old adage is, is the shoemaker always made great shoes, but the kids never had nice shoes. They just never had the time. Well, we have all these teachers and these teachers are teaching our littlest ones the best they can possibly do, but we don't give them the time to develop our teachers beyond the compliance training. So one of the things that Inspire Care 360 does is all of our members all have a learning management and a content delivery platform. So all of their content can be delivered directly to their staff and also to parents and it's all measured when it has been delivered when it starts when they've stopped where they've bookmarked what they've completed their certifications all those things is all under management simplified taking dramatically less time than how it's been managed before so sophisticating your business sierra really takes a uh some forethought but once it's in place it truly streamlines the job role and it's really expected today if you are expecting staff to walk into your school and or families to use your school and for you not to have those like scheduling tools or ways to have their contracts delivered to them or the ability for them to learn about the programs or have their handbooks delivered to them or they can read it and sign off on an electronic means you know and have access to it you're way behind and it's not that you know i'm telling you that just because well, we want you to use 
our companies no we're, we're doing it because it's an absolute must today if not you have large franchisors or large corporate who are going to walk in the back door and take all that business so it's something that's a must yeah and circling back to training and teacher development for a second um, how regularly should directors and owners be prioritizing training for their educators? Well, I would almost extract the word regularly out of there just because it should be constant. Um, and what I mean by that is sort of like how you recruit, you should be constantly recruiting. You should be having people on learning and development paths from the moment they start in your organization all throughout the years, every year, they should be consistently developing. It seems like it's a lot of effort, but then again, if you sophisticate in that area where you automate it, it's helpful. But as people develop, they become more innovative. Those innovations benefit your business because they keep on looking at how to make your business more efficient. So you have your staff who are learning, who are communicating better, who are constantly growing. So it, there shouldn't be really a, uh, you know, a cadence like an out, you know, like, a, um, you know, uh, peaks and valleys as much as should be a steady stream of an expectation from day one that you're a learning culture and that you will always be having learning. It's all part of their job is learning and development, but that you'll see come back to you in spades. Yeah. And part of that, should that be part of the hiring process kind of discussing you know, what a teacher's goal, ultimate goals are, where they'd like to be in this organization or somewhere further down the line? Okay, so that's a pretty leading question now, isn't it, Sierra? <laughs> 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 Trying to tell me the answer before I even hear it. No, it is, uh, it absolutely is. You know, the key here is people in life are happy when their expectations are met, right? Whether it be in a personal relationship, whether it's a relationship with your kids, it's the same way with your staff or how it is with you with, whoever you know might manage you if you have super clear expectations that you agree to that the other person agrees to that you measure against that you reward against then it is something that becomes something that's very favorable and something that people are excited to work within typically where communication falls apart in any organization, any small business, any large business, any family, any you know relationship is when you have different expectations. When you're expecting one thing and the other person has a different level of expectations. And when those things don't meet, that becomes conflict. So what is critical is when you are bringing individuals in, when you are recruiting them to the point that you interview them, is to ensure what their expectations and your expectations are absolutely on the same page. You do not want to set up expectations that you know you're not gonna fulfill. If you're saying, hey, we're gonna review you after 90 days for a promotion, 90 days comes and goes, I can guarantee you that staff member starts looking for another job right then and there. I can guarantee you that, that that's what they're doing because they're like, I had an expectation that in 90 days I was supposed to look at getting a raise. They haven't even talked to me about it. They're recruiting other people. They're advertising for a job where they pay more, blah, 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 blah. You can already hear it in your head. So it's critical that if you set expectations to follow through, if your staff has expectations and they give them to you, you need to follow through to make sure they're following through too. Yeah. And, you know, kind of in across development, but across all areas of childcare, 
Um, over the past year, there's been a lot of changes and things kind of, you know, that we didn't really expect to see. Um, so what do you see for the future of childcare based on recent occurrences? You know, it's, a you know, the crystal ball is a little bit difficult at this point in time. So that's a very loaded question. Um, I think that we are going to see for the, you know, the short future, at least in the next couple of years is that there's going to be significant uh, government involvement getting into childcare. Um, that can be good and that could be challenging in some situations. Uh, you know, when you look at the kind of funding that is starting to be implemented from the federal government and even at the state level, and I know many people out there going, well, I've seen funding happen, but they can't get their act together to getting us funds or, you know, how things are implemented or how things are tracked or what are the possible penalties? You know, that's an area that we're very you know, uh, concerned with at Inspire Care 360. And that's why we have our financial expertise team. And we look at that quite often because I think the future is going to be full of really ensuring that you have a means to look at where these funds are, how they get applied, but then what is the responsibility you have to the governments to provide documentation or be ready for audits to fulfill and what is going to be your responsibility to the community for that? This could eventually develop where a lot of the programs start to get tied closer to the public school systems, uh, depending on your state mandates. And if that happens, our CBDs, you know, community-based, you know, our CBOs, excuse me, community-based organizations, as they're called in some areas, which are group child care facilities, you know, are they an extension of the public school or will they be taking slowly but surely away, you know, pre-K, which they've started to in some, or UPK in some K and pre-threes in some situations and putting them directly into the public school. And so that changes the dynamics of what you offer as an ECE or a child care service. So it's really important for you to be in touch with your communities, depending on the state you're in and where they're going, to understand what you can do to leverage what the government is doing, whether they're doing it directly with you or they're doing it through the public school systems. So my perception is really that there is going to be um, a lot coming down the pike as to what the federal government is going to be offering, but it is not going to be with strings unattached to them. There will definitely be strings and there's going to be performance guidelines. And I think especially from licensing, there's going to be higher bars and higher hurdles that are going to be expectations that say, hey, listen, we're giving you funding, but we need quality ratings at a certain level that are above and beyond. Those who are thinking about that now, I think are going to be ahead of the game, that they're really keeping their game strong and they're being very much in tune with what's happening. So I think if I had my crystal ball is that, you know, more that things open up, yes, the more care is going to be needed. Uh, I do think obviously when we have, you know, more people who start coming back from the workforce from, you know, unemployment or it becomes unbearable where, you know, where a couple of families have hired a former staff worker to be their opar or their nanny, eventually they're going to be like, I, I really need to go back to the group care facilities. So there will always be opportunity because there's always going to be kids. 
but how that opportunity looks, I think, dynamically will change. Um, I wouldn't say radically, but it will be shifting over the next three to four years. And as things kind of change and childcare has and is continuing to get more competitive, what are some key areas that you feel owners should be prioritizing to differentiate their centers? You know, a lot of the things we've already talked about, um, one is, you know, first and foremost is your culture and really your culture is going to be a differentiator. Um, your culture, not just because of how you recruit and retain, but really what you put forth is where people want to have their child. Okay. So what differentiates is really, you know, at the end of the day, I call it the toddler birthday party on the weekend, parents were at a toddler birthday party and they talked about where their toddlers go to childcare. All right. Where did you guys come out on that? Did you come out at the top? Like, oh my God, they barely have any space we need to try to get you in. Or did you come out where I can't wait to pull my child out of there. I need to find another program. Where does your child go? What end of the spectrum are you on that? So it is really important as to how you have developed that perception and uh, how you continue to hone on that to differentiate yourself in this marketplace culture is critical sophistication as we also talked about is critical are you using tools that get things in a much quicker way to the parents to the staff and let the community know your communication and your brand also are very important before you didn't have to really worry about your brand your brand was word of mouth that's important right? We just talked about it. It's really the, the most important that happens, the toddler birthday party. But quite often, I have seen hundreds, if not thousands of schools that invest very little in their digital footprint, their, you know, what their website looks like and how it communicates, how, you know, their Facebook pages and their Instagram pages communicate and what it's saying there takes a lot of effort there whether it be something holistic where someone is checking all the boxes and helping you out or you're doing it yourself and having teammates your marketing and you per, you know getting out what your brand really is starts in a few areas but first it starts out with a very positive image from your staff positive image for your families but then getting that out through a very positive image in your digital footprint to your community. That could be your websites and how interactive they are, how engaging they are to schedule tours or how engaging they are to help parents have a communication portal with the staff, your daily communications, all those things are now becoming expected. You know, I would say five years ago, even people were absolutely used to, you know, paper daily sheets. You know, my parents only wanted a piece of paper. When we started going to electronic daily sheets where it was being delivered to them through the day, they resisted. They're still like, I still want that piece of paper because I've always received this piece of paper at the end of the day. Now, if we were to go back to paper, they think we were absolutely nuts. They were crazy. There's no way. So, you know, that kind of sophistication is actually a requirement now that we need to we we need to have. So I think those differentiators are really, you know, critical. And then realizing that your service is for other people, you know, and looking at again, we talked about the values and the culture is advertising what your expectations are, what you really want as the kind of people who attend your center. I think it's, you know, and we're not talking about um 
obviously any kind of segregation of that, but we're talking about what kind of, you know, values and the things of that nature that people really should have if they want to come there and you to promote that. So pretty much everything we've just talked about so far is your differentiators. Yeah. And obviously you've provided phenomenal insight and value thus far. Um, but given your unique position as both, you know, a CEO at Inspire Care 360 and a childcare business owner yourself, mm-hmm. are there any phrases or kind of life lessons you've gathered that you live by and would um, like to share with childcare entrepreneurs out there? So, um, well, one that I will, one that I will definitely steal is uh, from Simon Sinek. And, you know, out of his book, you know, start with why, you know, you do need to understand what your why is. You really do need to understand why you are doing what you do. Okay. Um, And it is okay. In our world, I know when I first came into it, it sort of demonized for your schools to be profitable. It was really almost a bad thing that you talked about. Oh, yeah, we have schools and we're actually profitable. And people were like, you're not doing it for the kids, you know. Um, I remember my licensors would come to me and they would say, well, you know, it's just for the kids. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. And I would come back to them and I now push back and I say, no, it's not. It is for the whole ecosystem. It's for your teachers. It's your administrators. It's the parents. It's for you, the owner. And in doing that, the kids receive the result of that. And that's where they become amazing is when you focus on that entire ecosystem, the kids become the result. So that's one of them is understand your why, why you're doing this and for who you're doing it. The second item I believe on, and I say it oftentimes is you must put your oxygen mask on first, as they tell you on the plane, when you're you know getting strapped up and the flight attendant there, why do they tell you to put on your oxygen mask first when you have a small child next to you? Because if you pass out, you're of absolutely no help to that child. Same with you being an owner operator. If you don't take care of yourself first, and I'm not talking about you just living off and fleecing your own organization and keeping everybody else in squalor. No, I'm talking about the fact that is you need to pay yourself first in the sense of mentally, morally, uh, even financially, you need to make sure that you are in a good place then you can take care of others. It is difficult for you to take care of others when you pay yourself last. So it's important for you to put your oxygen mask on first, look at what's important for you, how you check your boxes. And I know, I know it's not easy. I know at times you're like, listen, I only can take a paycheck if everybody else gets paid. I get that. But there are other things you can do that you need to do to make sure that you are taking care of yourself, your health first. If you are not around, who takes care of everybody else? That's the question. So put your oxygen mask on first is another critical thing that I always tend to talk about. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Awesome. Well, how can providers learn more about Inspire Care 360? Well, there's a couple of ways you know, obviously, and thank you very much for the platform, just even to talk a little bit about Inspire Care 360. Um, you know, Inspire Care 360 is available, obviously, by going to inspirecare360.com. And uh, you, there's a section that just says, well, what you got? 
And under there, you'll see uh, a litany of the different kind of services that we offer all under membership. We decided that we didn't want to, even though it sounds like we want to be everything to everybody, we really aren't. What we are doing is we offer a membership. And the reason we offer a membership is because we took approach sort of like a health club. When you go into a health club, you know, some people like to do Pilates and then do rock climbing. Other people like to do swimming and yoga. Another person might like to do something else, but you typically don't use every single thing there because maybe you do it at home or you don't want to do it at all. Well, Inspired Care 360's membership is like that. We know that a lot of the things we do, other people already do some of that themselves, and they probably do it very well. But other times, what we take a look at is what do schools do really well? They take care of their staff, and they take care of their kids, and they grow their kids. They educate them. They care for them. They provide security. That's what they focus on. So what are the areas that we do very well? We have become a center of excellence for all things in the back office that we talked early on. on. So for the engagement side, for the grow side, and for the optimized side. So we've looked at the very best of breed solutions, approaches, and that we bring that and we share that with our members. So when someone has a membership with us, they then have an opportunity to take advantage because we have just one membership rate and then they get to take advantage of pretty much most of our solutions. We do have some premium solutions that go above and beyond and have an extra you know, fee associated like healthcare or like one of our solutions, uh, IC360 Rep, which allows you to manage your star ratings out on the web, whether it be on Google, Facebook, Yelp, Angie's List, care.com, great, you know, whatever it is. So all those different schools, you know, we have a solution for that that has worked wonderfully. We honestly have a hundred percent usage where everybody who's installed it from us, not one person has ever uninstalled it. That's a pretty strong proposition. So there are a couple of those, but really 80 to 90 percent of our solutions come with our membership and we see them as being very valuable, anywhere from exit interviews to find out why a staff member or a family member left to PR crisis consulting at a moment's notice. If something happened to your school, who do you reach out to? Do you call your attorney? Do you call your marketing organization? Do you call your CPA? No, you need to talk to someone who can really help you handle a crisis. We have over 15 years of that. So that all comes with the membership and there's so much more. So the way to learn is you can also reach out to me directly and I'm on the website. You can reach out to Jen and or any of our BD people for our business development, but I'd be more than happy to help. Awesome. Well, and I'll make sure to include a link below to the website um, so people can go over there because there are a lot of great resources. Even if you just want to take a look at webinars or blog articles, they've got a lot of insight to share. Thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Child Care CRM or Child Care Forms, visit us online at childcarecrm.com. And make sure to follow, rate, and review so you never miss out on another episode.